What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. We are here to preview, or not preview, but to recap the 9-5 victory for the Chicago White Sox. They improved to 28-31 and on the season, taking down the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers fall to 24-36 and on the year. Lance Lynn returns. Jose Abreu has a big night. And the bullpen does their job. So we'll talk about that here on the CHGO White Sox postgame show. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. To my far left is Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, Chi-Town fanboy saying Jose murdered that ball. If you want to interact with us while we're live, make sure you're subscribed to the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. We go live after the final out of most every game, uh, at least five days a week. So make sure that if uh, you want some live post-game action for you, join us on our YouTube channel. But if you're listening on Spotify, post-game on your your ride home, uh, we appreciate you guys listening to the CHGO White Sox podcast. Sox win tonight, 9-5. to five. Vinny has been making Dolly Parton jokes since the game has ended. What a way to make a living, Sean. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm just glad we don't have to work 9-5 to five jobs anymore. This is very different. I guess, you know, you've been, I mean, you've been doing this baseball Vinny's thing. Vinny's job is, yeah. is longer than 9-5 to five. Yeah. On, day, on day games yeah, at home. Usually I'm working... Working three to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that song that, in that movie. It was yeah, great. A real great movie. Really great. Um, <laughs> you weren't expecting a musical outlet, were you? I don't know where to go here. Uh, we could go to Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn makes his season debut uh, for the White Sox in this game. A lot of hits in this game. 15 for the White Sox, 12 by the Tigers. And Lance Lynn, in his debut for the Sox, goes 4-1-3, and one third, allowing 10 of those 12 hits to the Detroit Tigers. Three earned runs, no walks, uh, 4Ks, 88 pitches, 52 of those were strikes. Uh, there was a little bit of a tiff that we'll get into later. But it was a tiff. That's a good word for oh, it. Thank yeah. you very much, Vinny. I appreciate <laughs> you uh, complimenting my word choice there. But overall, how did Lance Lynn look in your guys' mind in the first outing? Okay. I mean, I, I would like to – I mean, I would imagine at least that the Tigers kind of had a good game plan for him, and they were jumping all over kind of everything he had. Uh, you know, a lot of – a lot of singles, right? Mm. I mean, and that's and that's really we talked about in the pregame. Tigers are not a good offensive no. team, so maybe if this was a better team, maybe if this start came at the end of this road trip in Houston right. and Lance Lynn is throwing like that, maybe it's a lot of home runs, perhaps. But uh, you know, a lot of hits by the Tigers, and uh, uh, you know, some some C and I singles that were getting through the infield, and certainly that's what uh, Lance seemed kind of upset about there when he was talking to Super Joe in the uh, in the dugout, but. It was okay, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, when you got Lance Lynn, the guy that you have to, you know, go out and fight on the mound to take the ball away from him, him not making out of the fifth inning is kind of a notable thing. But this is a guy who's coming off a long injury recovery, a guy who had kind of similar results the last time out in his minor league rehab uh, start. This is this is not obviously what you expect from Lance Lynn, but it also wasn't horrible. Mm-hmm. Only three runs on the board and 
really, uh, with the exception of a couple of two-out hits later against the bullpen, it's the only damage that the Tigers managed to do on the scoreboard. Yeah, I think it's fair to note, too, that he was pushed up. He was supposed to be making the start on Tuesday. So not only is he coming back from an injury, also being pushed up with the way that Michael Kopech got injured, Johnny Cueto had to throw on Sunday. So I think overall, for his first time out in 2022, it didn't look like the big bastard of old, Herb, but it feels like that guy still might be in there. Yeah, and he was successful in uh, executing some of his pitches. But as we were saying, we're not going to judge this outing because he's coming back after months off. Remember, he had off-season surgery, and now he's just working his way back. Did not have a spring training, a traditional spring training as usual. So this is him working his way back to 100% health. And as Vinny said in the pregame, maybe starting late in middle of June, we'll have him executing in the middle of July, in the middle of September, in the middle of October, like he ran out of steam last year because he pitched so many innings. So here's to that. And going against teams like Detroit where they did get hits, but none of them were like, oh, man, Lance is getting tagged Mm -hmm. by these goddamn Detroit Tigers. They got singles and such, and a C&I single there by Cody Clemens. Congratulations on your first hit. And you you caused some uh, commotion in the White Sox clubhouse too, Cody. Maybe a little inner fighting and maybe a little noise from Lance Lynn, like he seems like he wants to really win a game. We'll get this team sparked, and nothing's better than going up to Detroit and grabbing a dub because that's what cures whatever ails you. Detroit is just terrible. Toronto went in there and just did damage. Now the White Sox with their ninth run or nine run uh, outing again. Golly, they keep on just scoring a bunch of runs. It's nice to see. And it's nice to see them win these games as well when they score nine runs. They've won a couple of them. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I think think now that they're above 500 again uh, when scoring five runs or more, I think they're around the 10 and 9 mark, uh, which is 41 runs in the last five games, two wins. Are they back? Is, it, is this a feeling of their back? I mean, you, you mentioned it. They have all those runs in five games. Uh, they're two and three. Texas, bad. Yeah, Detroit, Detroit bad. bad. But again, White like, Sox we, bad. Bad. like we talked about in the pregame, you got to beat the bad teams, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. you, you, you got to win these games because they've dug themselves a little bit of a hole here. It's not one they can't climb out of, but if they're going to climb out of it, they got to get wins, and they got to get wins against these teams. Well, and at the end of the day, too, I mean, we all said that they can be horrible outside of the division, but as long as they win their division games, they should actually take home the division crown. So, I mean, this is a sign that, you know, you still have, I think, 15 games against Detroit, 16 against Minnesota, 11 versus uh, Kansas City, like 13 left against Cleveland. Like, you can make up a lot of ground within your division if you take care of these bad teams. You are in the worst division in Major League Baseball. Um, You had a tough schedule, easiest schedule from here on out in Major League Baseball. I mean, it's a good sign that you're able to see some of these runs be produced against these bad teams just because it was such a you know, barren wasteland uh, before this. And you asked if they're back. I don't think they're back, but Jose Abreu's back. Mm. That's good to see. He's been back. Oh, yeah. He's crushing the ball. Yoan still lost. He had a hit today, but he's still lost. And even though Luis Robert had a RBI single, that was a mistake by the uh, Will Vest. He was throwing him two sliders in a row, and Luis was flailing at them. He's like, you know what? Let's throw a 95-mile-per-hour fastball middle-middle and see if Luis Robert can hit it. Yeah, he can hit that. But – He's not there. Uh, Yo's not there. Of course, Tim's not back from the uh, IL, and neither is Aloy. It's good to see nine runs with four of your best hitters of your top six. And then, of course, Yasmani Grandal, Grandal yeah. still out. 
not even contributing, and we're scoring all these runs. And I don't care if it's for the Tigers or the Rangers. You have to score runs versus anybody. They weren't doing that early in the year. As you said, I think with the only time they scored the double digits was the Sunday afternoon game versus Detroit, the third game of the game of the season. We've got a comment that says we need to publicly shame everyone who doubted Pito this year. Sean, does that include you? I mean – I don't know if I publicly shamed yeah, you did. him. You were I on the haters was, club. I said he was No, you, you old. doubted. I doubted him. You now, according to this comment, you now deserve a public shaming. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what's... Flogging? <laughs> I don't know what a flogging is, but it sounds a unpleasant. Beating. You yeah. wouldn't like oh, it. Oh, yeah, good. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound unpleasant. All right. Um, what what outs, outside of a beating, um, what, <laughs> what, what public humiliation uh, should I get for me, uh, you know, you should, you uh, bashing, should be, talking down about Maltiempo? So I'm not I'm – not, are you guys big Curb fans? Curb enthusiasm? No, I've never seen an episode. I'm not. There's the one episode where he gets busted for accidentally taking silverware from the restaurant, and he has to wear a big – clapboard sign that says I steal forks from restaurants and walk around outside so I think Sean maybe needs to wear the big sign that says I doubted pedo and just walk back and forth outside of uh, guaranteed rate field I'm down with this we can do this on June 22nd uh, it'd be a great time uh, to not only uh, you know do that and, and show everybody that I doubted Jose Abreu and do the public uh, humiliation it's also a good time to plug that we'll be out at the CHGO tailgate on June 22nd if you want to go to allchgo.com we have an event bright uh, URL there you can buy tickets it's $25 gets you access to uh, the tailgate also gets you a game ticket the game ticket is most important because if you are going to the game anyways come and stop by. We want to hang out with you. We want to see your face. So if you're going to the game anyways, you're a season ticket holder, uh, still feel free to stop by the tailgate. And uh, if you want to be out there June 22nd and see me publicly humiliate myself because I doubted Jose Abreu, uh, that's where you'll be able to do that. Uh, before we move on and talk a little bit more about Jose Abreu and, and uh, Luis Robert, I do want to talk about Lance Lynn a little bit more. And we mentioned the tiff between him and Joe McEwing. Uh, you might be seeing it going around social media. I see you know people pointing at this and being like, oh, see the White Sox breaking down again. Oh, there's another bad example of the White Sox culture. I don't know if that's fair. Uh, let's look at the actual play. We have a screenshot from uh, Bally Sports Detroit of the actual game and what happened. Uh, after the inning, after the second inning, Lance Lynn heads into the locker room, or the dugout, and starts yelling. We see a, a yelling spat between him and Joe McEwing. Who is the infield coach, by the way. Who is the yeah. infield coach. And uh, what was happening, or what happened, and what we can think happened uh, was Cody Clemens, son of Roger Clemens, got his first major league hit. It looked like the White Sox were shifted in the infield. The ball went exactly where second base would normally be played if they were playing a normal infield. Leary was shifted a little bit behind first base and in the outfield, and it seemed like Lance was upset that they were in a shift in that moment, especially for a guy who doesn't have a major league hit. Kind of tough to feel where he's been hitting and pulling the ball. Uh, so I think Lance was upset with that, uh, and you could see the video uh, on our screen now. Uh, but yeah, it was just bad shifting right there. And I think Lance was probably frustrated with the results he was getting in the first inning, the second inning as well. I think it's just a guy returning to competition. I don't think it's too much. And this team's also losing. Uh, a win today helps. And I think Lance just getting more on the bump will probably cool down the motions because, you know, in the third and fourth inning, he looked a lot better. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's he's an emotional guy. And I think that's part of the the positive things that he brings to this team and you know talk about a guy who just had to sit and watch for these last two months couldn't really do anything and, and I think we talked a little bit in the pregame about you know these guys are obviously a presence and, and they're able to they're, they're able to interact with their teammates and provide assistance and advice but there's only so much that they feel 
that they can say when they're not part of the of the of the action when they're not contributing or not contributing themselves, you know, uh, when they're not in the middle of it, right? Like, uh, like Lance hasn't been for the entire season up until tonight. So I think maybe you're seeing a guy who finally gets into the game, finally can consider himself a part of the action. And now he's going to speak up and, and maybe some frustration carrying over from the way things have gone the first several months of the season. So it's, it's, it's not what you want to see, obviously, but, I think it can be explained, and I also think maybe that there is a silver lining there in that now you've got a guy, one of your leaders right. on the team, who's in there and going to be taking care of business. And, yeah, I see that as nothing. You see a couple of the guys who are mild-mannered and Andrew Vaughn and A.J. Pollock just kind of just walk past. You know, some loud talk is going on, and they're just like, you know, cool. They're not warned. They're not alarmed by – Lance doing this so it seems like a normal thing for Lance to get fired up in the clubhouse in the dugout and talk about what was going on I mean he, if there was some discussion pregame of hey man I'm gonna face this guy and I'm gonna be facing him like this I'll be attacking him with a fastball in what I want is this that and the other cool but it's just a fiery competitor out there in Lance Lynn telling Joey McEwing what he wants and yeah it looks tough but I'm sure when the reporters talk to him, there's like, it was nothing. Guys just being competitive. I'm competitive. When I'm out there, I'm a red ass, and I need to win, and I want to win. And, yeah, it looked animated, but, you know, I don't have any animosity towards Joe McEwing. Joe McEwing has none towards me, and I know the national media is going to make a big thing with it because the White Sox with another thing wrong in the clubhouse and put those in quotes, but it's nothing. Not a big story. It's good to see a little fire in the guys out there in the clubhouse, though. Yeah, I like what Vinny said. It's it's not a bad sign just because it's someone taking control, and it feels like this White Sox, you know, it, it feels like a little bit out of control. At least, you know, it feels like the players can at least grab onto something and be like, hey, you know, put some good energy into this team. Uh, I, I know that yelling isn't always seen as good, but it, it just shows you that the players care. Um, which I think is always good. I know people are, at least I've been harping, that it feels like this team's not having as much fun. Uh, if they win today and they keep winning in Detroit, they'll probably start having more fun. So I think this could be a, a good sign. Hopefully uh, some good things uh, come out of this. Uh, at least Lance's pitches. Uh, velocity was down about a, a mile and a half on his fastballs. Uh, four seam was down 1.4. Sinker was down 1.1. His changeup also down 1.8. So it feels like that strength isn't fully there, and I think that's why he was getting hit hard. But the command was fairly there. Uh, you look at all the pitches that the Tigers ended up hitting, there was a decent amount of stuff in the middle of the zone, but I think there was probably about 10 pitches that are on each side uh, of the strike zone and pretty much pinpoint low so I think it is a good sign for Lance Lynn. Let's see what the next start brings because I think more strength, uh, more conditioning will definitely bring uh, him some better luck and also 88 pitches for Lance Lynn, which is I think more than we expected. And that kind of goes into the bullpen getting an extra load today. Kyle Crick pitches a, uh, an inning and a third. Bennett Souza pitches an inning and a third. Tanner Banks pitches an inning. Kendall Graveman pitches an inning. We were kind of putting together where the hell are the White Sox going to go with bullpen uh, arms, but uh, two hits allowed by Bennett Souza and two earned runs given up by Kyle Crick. Uh, but overall, pretty good from the White Sox bullpen today. Yeah, I mean, I think you really got to, you know, applaud what they were able to do when they were working with, what, like half a bullpen yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I think we were even surprised to see Tanner Banks in this game at all. Yep. Um, maybe thinking that we would have seen Jimmy Lambert in that spot maybe, or maybe even they just let Bennett Souza keep pitching until his arm falls <laughs> off or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a really good job by the bullpen, I think. Obviously, the Tigers, you know, 
brought their hitting shoes today because of what they were able to do against Lance Lynn. Uh, you know, you got a guy out there who usually, you know, when he's not coming off of an injury – pretty dominant guy giving up 10 hits in in just over four innings you'd think maybe a a, a bullpen that isn't featuring necessarily the best arms in that bullpen would have got knocked around a little bit more but they did a good job today even though there was a little bit of a scary moment there after Bennett Souza came in and started giving up some hits that brought in some runs Uh, I think that they overall did a very good job. Tanner Banks was particularly impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like both him and Sousa maybe got a little help from the weather conditions there in Detroit. But you know, you play to the you play to those, and uh, they'll they'll take the outs. <laughs> they will take the outs. <laughs> and, and Bennett Sousa too. I mean, it's an interesting ride with him, Herb. Uh, he's now got an ERA above eight eight forty one. Yeah, uh, not good to see. But I, I, and it's I see- down. Yeah, it's down. Um, I, I did see a blank name say, you know, mentioned something about Kyle Crick shouldn't be on this roster. Um, I mean, you could probably talk about those three guys, Kyle Crick, Bennett Souza, and Tanner Banks. Banks and Kyle Crick have been sent down this year to AAA uh, due to performances. Uh, Bennett Souza, again, eight plus ERA hasn't been great. I think it just kind of shows you where this White Sox bullpen is. Aaron Bummer being injured, Joe Kelly being injured. Crochet uh, at the beginning cro- of the year. Crochet being injured. It just kind of shows you where this bullpen is. And it's still been effective, even though the injuries have been, uh, you know, absorbing it. I was not a fan of Bennett Sousa getting that extra inning after he got out of or gave up a couple of the runs that Kyle Crick put on, but he got the job done. Bennett Sousa, I think he officially gets the win. He's 3-0 mm-hmm. on the year. And lowered his ERA to 841 on the year. Tony's using him like Ricky used to use uh, Jimmy Cordero. <laughs> and it's kind of good. And Every kind manager of, has their guy, right? It's kind of good, kind of bad. Like, Benetsusa started off the year pretty strong. And now, you know, getting overexposed is leading to a high ERA. But today's outing was pretty good. It was good use by Tony versus left-handers for the most part with Benetsusa in that second inning of work that he had. So, yeah, I'll give him credit right here when he does a great job. And Tony did a great job. Ben Sousa came in, did a great job. And, yes, Tanner Banks, man, um, he's got a rubber arm. I mean, the man was throwing the other day. He's what? He's threw uh, like on Saturday and Sunday, and then he throws today on Monday. That's pretty strong. And then I was not expecting after they get the four-run lead to see Kendall Graveman, but I was glad I did. Mercy. I tell you what, Kendall Graveman still got that filthy stuff even with the tired arm. He pitched like 24 pitches on Friday, 15 on Sunday, and it comes out today and dominates again. It was good to see the bullpen execute and not give up the lead like they have been doing as of late. But they've been taxed a lot this whole year. Yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about. Foster was just thrown on two days in a row. Uh, we, we saw Raylo thrown on two days in a row. Ruiz. I think uh, Ruiz was yeah. thrown on two days in a row. Uh, and now Graveman thrown on two days in a row. So you know, they'll have some guys back tomorrow. But Tony definitely has uh, his work cut out for him uh, with just the way that, you know, who's available uh, right now for them. I did see this from Kevin. Uh, he said, I read on CBS today that Joe Kelly could be coming back tomorrow. Is that real? I haven't heard anything on Kelly. It sounds like he's he's pretty good. And, and I'll say this, too. I know the last time he was on the IL, there were some questions that, or there were some thoughts that this guy's so experienced. He knows what he's doing out there. Does he need a rehab assignment? You know what I mean? So Rick Hahn seemed to mention last week that, that a rehab assignment would be more realistic for Joe Kelly, but maybe those things can change. Maybe he's worked out in Detroit with the team or, or Chicago before they left for the road trip and they determined, all right, he's, he's looking good enough to go back. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but it did sound like he was uh, nearing a return. We'll see whether or not that comes 
uh, with a rehab assignment or not. And wasn't there news from last week that maybe Tim and Vince Velasquez will be going out to Charlotte for a rehab assignment this week too? That was the the hope at the time when 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 Rick spoke at the beginning of that homestand last week. Uh, you know that was of course a if everything goes the way they hope it goes kind of thing. So uh, we'll see how that turns out, but. Uh, the the they it seemed like all of those guys are nearing uh, their return. We'll see what happens with Aloy Jimenez, obviously, who who there was news on late last week. So yeah, uh, it's still waiting for news on when Aloy would return to that rehab assignment, right? Yes, uh, he had to he had to sit out for five days. So I'm, I guess Thursday last Thursday would have been the, his first day. After the rehab assignment. Four days right now. So, yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Today would have been the fifth, so I guess tomorrow's the earliest they can start it up again. Um, But, of course, that that is all determined by how he's feeling as well. Uh, Jesus Shuttleworth says in the comments, Kelly pitched a 20-pitch simulated game on Sunday. Um, And JJ saying said that uh, Kelly will be activated, no rehab assignment. Uh, and Vince Velasquez on Wednesday. So we were wondering like what they might do on Wednesday because that was supposed to be Giolito, uh, but Giolito has been moved up, or I think that was supposed to be Cueto. Uh, and Cueto has been obviously moved up. He was uh, relief on, on Sunday. So you're going to have Lynn. Uh, you should have Cease tomorrow, Cease I believe. Yeah. tomorrow, and then Vince Velasquez on Wednesday, and then hopefully Giolito Friday and then Kopech Sunday. So then you're looking at Cueto on Saturday. So it looks like this rotation's possibly filling out, uh, and that probably means that Jimmy Lambert uh, will be going down tomorrow. Uh, I think it's probably safe to assume uh, that he'd be going down tomorrow. Want to let you know that the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlay. If you're still looking for some NBA same-game parlay action, the game's still going on. If you're looking to put some money down on Boost the, it too, the, the, Sean. The, the Golden State and, and, and Boston game, Mm-hmm. You can build the perfect live NBA same game parlay only with points bet. You can combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And like Herb said, you can boost your live same game parlays. You can watch live parlay live and boost live with points bet. Online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And you probably saw Justin Fields blasting home runs uh, at Wrigley Field uh, the past week, and that's probably because he drinks Owen. I have to tell you about Owen. It stands for only what you need. They are a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, they have no gluten or dairy, and they're easily digestible. I have had the strawberry banana one. I've had the chocolate one. I've had the vanilla one. I've had the salted caramel one. I like them cold. They're very easy to drink, and uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge plant guy. I'm not a huge plant-based guy or 100% you know, plant products. Haven't really gotten into them. Uh, this doesn't really taste like the stuff I've had before. I really like the Owen products, and I think you will too. The first I heard about it was Justin Fields, and he's out hitting home runs. He's an NFL quarterback, so it's got to be good for his body. Uh, and I, I mean, you can just see me. I'm also 
an NFL quarterback. So, you, you know, it's, 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 it's got results. Uh, Owen and Chicago have, uh, Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's live, I-L-V-E, Owen, O-W-Y-N.com. And with code CHGO20, you'll get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. So Other- we've learned we've learned a few awesome. things about you today. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So we, well, we already knew you were a Jose Abreu hater, of yes. course. But we learned also you're not a plant guy. No, you don't like plants. Not a plant guy. Just in general, you wish the world was <laughs> was stripped Plantless. of all its plant life. Yes. And uh, also, you, you're bad at you're bad at gum jingles. <laughs> bad, yeah. horrible at gum yeah. jingles. Horrible at gum. Horrible jingles. at gum jingles. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, the plants. You know, I'm not a big lilac guy. I walk by a lot of plants. They got. They just stink. Do you walk by they flowers stink? and flower beds and like kick them over? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really try to. Tra- if you have a flower bed and it's really you no know, nicely manicured, I will trample it. Wow. I'm you know just not a big plant guy. Really, really uh, have a hatred for plants. Uh, another injury update too. Just kind of sandwich this. Uh, Jake Berger got hit in the hand. He did with a pitch. Uh, update was uh, X-rays were negative. He was pulled for the game for Sebi Zavala, uh, but he's negative. Looked to be day to day. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, I'll just I'll just say, remember Andrew Vaughn. Uh, you know what I mean? Don't expect this to be, you know, just because the x-rays were negative and he's day-to-day, don't expect him to be back in there tomorrow. He could be, yeah. but it, it might be fine. But remember that it took Andrew Vaughn some time to get back uh, from, from getting hit in the hand earlier this year as well. So it's, it's possible that you've got, uh, you know, a, a not insignificant time off for Jake Berger coming. It's also possible he'll be back tomorrow or the day after. Right, so. and, and we saw with uh, the Andrew Vaughn thing too. He was hit on the wrist. Berger hit kind of on In the, the fingers, knuckle there. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So interesting because Berger finished the at bat, ended up getting uh making contact with the ball, just was a ground out to second base. So we didn't see that with Vaughn. I'm pretty sure Vaughn came immediately out of the game. So. Maybe that's a silver lining. I I'm not sure. I think he did stay in. I think Vaughn did stay in. I thought he did too. Yeah. Because his was actually first, a hit yeah. by pitch. Yeah, he went to He didn't head. have to swing again. Uh, Jake obviously was hit on a ball that he swung at, so right. he had to continue the at bat. Um, but yeah, I don't believe Andrew. Uh, I believe Andrew stayed in the game, but he didn't, he didn't bat again. And mm. Sean, while you're reading that Owen read, that's true. So well. Daryl Van Scowen tweeted this out Lance Lynn on his exchange with Joe McEwing. He was trying to get me going. He kept telling me that filet is better than ribeye. I'm more of a ribeye and potatoes guy. He's a filet and like Caesar salad. I just told him he was wrong, and then he went back to coaching third. I love that. Lance I think Lynn should, is back. You should rewatch <laughs> that video now with completely different, uh, <laughs> you know, a completely different take. That is an awesome answer. Obviously, that's a perfect yeah, answer. Exactly. Obviously, that's not what happened. Ribeye, uh, ribeye. Go, Go eat a fucking Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's definitely not what he's saying. Uh, but that's the, the, the personality. That's the charm. That's a guy that, again, is competitor, and he probably just forgot about that by the fourth inning. Right. It, it, it goes to show you that, you know, in the moment, he's going to be fired up, but something like that is not what everybody on Twitter is trying to make it out to be, this right. disastrous moment for the clubhouse. And you got the guys making jokes about it immediately after the game. This is, this is a veteran. This is a veteran player, a veteran coach. Joe McEwing's been doing this for a long time. It. That was that was what was happening in those few seconds, and then after it was done, it was done. Two St. Louis uh, favorites, and also <laughs> Lance is right. Ribeye is much better than fillet. Don't go to a steakhouse and get a fillet. That's ridiculous. Get a ribeye rib uh, and potatoes. Yes, uh, and Sean, Sean, not a big plant guy. Vinny, not a, not a steak guy. 
Really? Oh. Yeah. What's it, is it the the meat part of it? What's the so issue? I, yeah, I don't I don't like usually that it's that it's cooked un, that it's low cooked. Like I want my meat cooked. You know oh, what I mean? And it's so usually like, very pink. I'm gonna oh, ask you a oh. very tough question. But I'm Ching. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well done. No, I just don't really like okay. but because that's the thing. Then when you well do a steak, then it's not great, right? So like, mm. I want yeah. You should get it Pittsburgh or Chicago style, where they charred on the outside and the inside stays like medium. But he doesn't okay. like the red part. Well, it's not. A, it'll yeah. be pink. It won't be. It won't be a lot of blood running around. If yeah. you get it Pittsburgh or Chicago style, it'll stay pretty well. Or get it dry aged because if it's dry aged, usually you're not getting all that. Uh, it's not even blood. It's called something like myoplasm or something like that. You're not getting that falling out of the steak, but it's still I didn't delicious. Didn't think it was actual blood. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we when we were when we were in Denver, we went to a steakhouse. Fiance got a steak. I went with uh, an chicken elk. tenders. An, no, no, <laughs> no. That, though to be fair, it wouldn't have been long ago that I probably would have pulled Don't that. Uh, an elk medallion. The elk Ooh. was very good. Real, real yeah. lean, eh? Yeah, really good. Nice. I like. I enjoyed it. I'm not, I've never had elk. Uh, blank name saying A five Wagyu is the way to go. Um, yeah, so if you want to, rich like yeah, you, blank name. If you guys are looking A5 to drop a hundred and ten dollars on a steak, go hang out with blank name. Uh, I don't that's, know. That's low end. A5? Well, I mean, yes, at your house, you'll pay 110 If you go to a steakhouse and buy some A5, you're going to spend about $300. Jake, you want to look this up? Go to RPM, look up uh, how much an A5 uh, Wagyu and, steak And not will, American will Wagyu. That's, like, cheap. Yeah. Wagyu is only Japanese. You guys, like you guys go ahead. You guys go ahead with the with the whole RPM. You wear your nice button down shirts and everything. I'm gonna be over at Al's Beef, okay? <laughs> hey, I don't have the money to get into RPM. Oh, there's <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go to Portillo's and just talk about meat. Uh, anyways, um, where were we? Jake Burger. I oh, mean, yeah. that, well, that makes sense. Burger meat kind of makes sense to me. That's where we Bur- left off. Burger meat. Burger we were talking meat. about Lance and, and Joe's uh, conversation oh, in the right. dugout. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it's not that big. I just saw David being like, you know, is you got you guys got to say Lance Lynn's right in that situation. Like, I, who cares? I mean, like, at the end of the day, they won the game. That's, that's all that matters, and, you know, they're going to forget about it and move on. Uh, yeah, so Japanese Wagyu, I don't see the A5 on there, but, you know, priced two pounds per ounce. So if you get an eight-ounce steak, Oh man, that's okay. That's uh, that will definitely set you back. Though. Yeah, fifty-eight times two times eight, nine hundred twenty-eight dollars. That's not right. It's not that much. Okay, <laughs> I don't. There was some. There was some troublesome math, right. math being done right over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, move away from this conversation <laughs> and let's go into the White Sox. And uh, there was a question from Melissa up here uh, asking about Hunter, uh, the left-hander down in uh, uh, Charlotte. I'll see his last name and be able to say it. Uh, Hunter Shriver, Shriver uh, from AAA. Uh, guys putting up nice numbers in Charlotte. Uh, I think one of the reasons why they're not considering bringing him up is because he's not on the 40-man roster. That's a huge and, thing. And there's some guys with some dead weight. Josh Nelson's been talking about this recently. Uh, Johan Ibar, kind of dead weight. Jason Ballou, kind of dead weight. Uh, Anderson Severino, who was called up a little bit earlier this year, uh, dead weight on that 40-man roster. Uh, Hunter's just not on uh, the 40-man roster, so they'd have to take somebody off and put somebody on, and they've been making a lot of roster moves recently. It just feels like something that's on the back burner. Um, I, 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 they should try anybody out there because I just don't think that Bennett Souza is really that wowing out there. Tanner Banks isn't really wowing me as well. Um, I'd be fine with rotating some of these lefty arms out and trying some new guys in just because I haven't been wowed by any of them. But, uh, you know, that's it's for a different their, day. Their initial plans of having Bummer out there, having Crochet out there got dashed because of injuries. So, yes, you're going to have lesser left-handers 
uh, out there who you weren't supposed to depend on in Bennett Sousa and Tanner Banks. They did the job today, but for the long run, you're helping to get uh, Aaron Bummer back in a quick fashion, and then maybe at the trade deadline you pick up another guy that you need. So, yeah, these guys are not great. And that pitcher, while pitching well in AAA, Sean says, having him off the 40-man is going to be a lot of trouble to put him back on the 40-man and then drop one of the guys off because, you know, there's no yeah. more uh, Mercedes out there and no more guys who are not hitting and falling out of favor with the organization as of yet. Yeah, I mean, Yohan Ibar's an interesting guy. I mean, he's he, he was picked up recently, and down in AAA, he's got a 646 ERA and 15 innings pitch. So it's like, I don't know if you need to hold on to that guy. I don't know if he'll make it up to the major leagues. I think there is some guys that they can cut, but again, it's 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 all up to them. I mean, if they, they feel just, like they need that, that those reinforcements, they can call them up. They just picked up some some reliever, too, on waivers uh, last week. Great name. From Parker o- Markle. Yes, from the oh, Oakland A's. That is hard to say, guys. And my favorite thing about Parker Markle, take it off the 40-man for Matt Davidson. In Oakland? In Oakland. Matt Davidson going... Uh, Former is, pitcher Matt Davidson. Is he pitching three, out in Oakland? Three home runs. Uh, I don't know if he's pitching or not, but he was actually like real uh, real good uh, hitting well uh, in the AAA uh, league for, uh, for for Oakland. Uh, but this year, uh, through 27 at-bats, a 140 batting average. I mean, so, that's I him. Know. He's a classic 4A hitter. He's getting crushed in the Pacific Coast League like everybody can because he's Matt Davidson. He has a tremendous power, but when curveballs, sliders, and uh, Major League pitching is introduced, it's like, uh, it's tough. Real tough. That was my guy back there in Kansas City when he hit those three home runs. I believe that was <laughs> Matt Davidson game. That was uh, right around when Eloy made his opening. No, it was opening, opening right? day. Yeah, yeah. Opening that was the yeah. That was uh, yeah. That was Eloy's debut. Yeah, that, that the, the, yeah. The, the, the debut of the uh, the all red get up with the, the the batting gloves and everything. Yeah, Ta hit two homers in that game. No one remembers it because because no, Matt, Matt Davidson, Davidson hit three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't see any pitching uh, stats for Matt Davidson in the, uh, the in AAA this year, so I don't know if he's being worked out. But uh, like, yeah. I remember when he left the White Sox, that was Matt what Davidson. he was doing. He was like, "Hey, I can be the pitcher slash uh, hitter guy," and no, they need him as some AL East team needs to pick him up as a reliever because he struck out Stanton right. Did he? Yeah, he, was looking, the, the he looked good in his couple yeah. uh, relief appearances with the White Sox. He had stuff. He had a, a 99 ERA plus in uh, 2020 for the Cincinnati Reds. It was three and a, three and a third average. innings. But, yeah, hey, league average for a guy. Good job, Matt Davidson. not too bad. Uh, Kevin's asking, you guys said Kopech would start Sunday. Uh, what was uh, what was what he had going on not that serious. So he got fluid drained from his knee today, and he told Daryl Vance Gowan that he's feeling a lot, and Daryl put a lot in capital letters. So he's feeling a lot better. So apparently that wasn't too crazy of Tony to say. It was just a little bit of fluid, and they got it drained. Uh, so hopefully Kopech can still play uh, uh, and pitch on Sunday. All right, let's talk a little bit about the hitters today. 15 hits for the White Sox, uh, three walks. Uh, you get two hits from Pollock, two hits from Vaughn, two hits from Robert, three hits from Abreu, two of them home runs. Uh, Moncada had a hit, but also struck out three times. Liuri had a good day. He had uh, three hits as well. Reese McGuire had a double, and Danny Mendick drove in a run. So a nice day overall for the White Sox, one through nine. I mean, we talked about it. 41 runs in the last five games. Like, the thing that has killed this team through the first two months is that they cannot score. Their offense is terrible. It ranks near the bottom. And yet, lately, last few days, the runs are have been there in bunches. This is what we talked about that they needed to do. String string rallies together, you know, put crooked numbers on the board. They've done it the last few days. Um, it, it hasn't translated to 
you know, five wins, right. but, uh, you know, uh, taking, taking advantage of playing some bad teams and, and, and getting that to get your offense going, that's, that's what this team has to do right now. And uh, if the pitching is going to be there like we think it will be, even as lately the starting rotation has not been as dominant as it was earlier in the season, uh, you, you got an offense here that you know what they're capable of doing. They've got to show it. The last five days they've shown it, and that's the way you, this team gets turned around. And as you said, Vinny, they need to put together crooked numbers multiple times during the game. They did it four times with two, two, three, and two. So they've done a great job today in stringing together a couple rallies, not just one inning where you just score four and then none for the rest of the game. Like they did in Tampa where they scored six in the first inning and then like or six in the first two innings and then scored none and held on to win that game. I want to talk about Lurie Garcia because he had a pretty good game, and I want to focus on he had three hits. The hit that he didn't have, the first hit he uh, – or the first at bat he was going up against uh, the pitcher. I forget his name right now. Three for but five, it, Rony Garcia. It was a fastball down the middle, 3-1 count, crushed the center field, and the center fielder turned each way to catch that ball. It should have been a triple, but a great catch by the center fielder after a tough route. He did a good job today, but then he had one at bat where – It was right after that one. He went 3-1 – hit that ball to Castro, and then the yeah. next at-bat, he comes up and yeah. first pitch swinging. Yeah. You see the pitcher walk Yoan Moncada, who has a 4% walk rate this year. Not good. He's not being Yoan Moncada. So walks him pretty much on five pitches. He sees this, and then he goes up the first at-bat, after, the first after that, and swings at the first pitch. What are we doing there? It's that type of stuff that doesn't get you through to the next – Step. Are you finding like, a way to crush a guy who had three hits? Yeah, but I'm saying, like, that's the, the mindset of the he White Sox. He could have had four. Like, you're like, he just walked a guy on five pitches. And it's Yoan Moncada who's struggling mightily. I'm going to swing at the first pitch. Even though my first at bat versus that guy, I battled him for a 3-1 count and crushed him when I got that count. The reason I got that account because I worked the account and I got my pitch out there. Instead of going after that first pitch, and this is the thing that Luis Robert has to learn, too. Don't allow the pitcher to get the advantage on you by swinging at their pitches. And that's what Luis does way too much. Now, the mistake was made to Luis where a dead red fastball was pitched after two flailing uh, sliders were pitched to him. And he crushed that, but the White Sox just need to understand game situation. He just walked a guy, cool, let me take one. Let me chill out. Let me work this count to get a better pitch for myself so I can crush the ball. But Lurie with three hits and then... These guys, except for Jake Berger, I think everybody in the starting lineup had a hit, at mm-hmm. least one hit. That's good to see. String these together. But I just got to point out the, the stuff that is irritating to me sometimes. But Lurie, for the most part, had a great game offensively and defensively. I'm here. Let Lurie cook. Sorry. Poor Lurie. Let Lurie cook. I'm sorry, Lurie. Uh, blank name saying perfect way of describing Lurie Garcia. He does something good and then does something stupid. Uh, I don't know if it's stupid. He, it's just, it just, I don't know the thought process when you go up to the plate after you see a walk like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's over aggression, but I, I I think that Leary obviously felt something at the plate tonight. I mean he went three for five and you know this is a guy last week saying I felt like shit up there. So you know here he, he definitely felt good and he was going in the dugout, looking in the dugout, be like, I have three hits. So, <laughs> you know, I think it was just over aggression. He he obviously felt something. I don't know. And Paul, yes, Leary means a lot to this team. He plays a lot. Like I said, all the time, six out of the seven the playoff games they've had, he started. Longest so tenured player. He means a lot. Yes, he should be a reserve, but he's a starter on this team. To get him going, 
is to get everybody else going. Like, the bottom of the lineup going is a good thing. I just want the team to play smarter baseball. Just because you win, just because you have a 3-for-5 game, doesn't mean you had an awesome game. He can be better. He can be better. And, uh, you know, there's another guy on this team that can be better. We'll talk about him in just a second. But I see my guy, Jake. You know, Jake's been here. What time What time did you get here, Jake? Uh, early. Early? Yeah, this yeah. So Jake needs a game changer. If he wants to start his day with a competitive edge or get a pickup at 10, 18 p.m., Strava CBD Coffee is a game changer and has helped thousands of people just like you, Jake, to improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious, fresh roasted coffee, specialty coffee infused with organic, broad-spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry, but it does offer real benefits that can help you. It can help you feel alert and focused without the jitters. It can help you live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains. Plus, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy more restful sleep so you wake up feeling your best. Jake, it's been a long day. You could drink some Strava CBD coffee. Make sure you're drinking the uh, the uncaffeinated kind. and you'll, you'll go to bed like a baby. I do it all the time. I love drinking CBD uh, coffee uncaffeinated before I go to bed. The warm drink, you know, just books me right to bed like a baby. So I think you should definitely look into including CBD in your daily routine. The best part about Strava, it's all about quality. Everything is small batch fresh and shipped straight to your door. Strava also offers concentrated full spectrum CBD tinctures for those looking for a more traditional CBD format with a powerful entourage effects of benefits. CHGO listeners can save 25% off their entire purchase when you use code CHGO25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com when you use code CHGO25 at checkout. Discount coupon valid on non-subscription purchase only, one use per customer. And if you already love Strava, subscribe and save with the Strava Coffee Club with Strava, your in control, save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home or office on your preferred schedule. Again, CHGO 25% or CHGO 25, that's 25% off your entire order at Strava, S-T-R-A-V-A, craftcoffee.com. All right, we talked uh, a little bit about the good. Jose Abreu, we got a stat here from Chris Kampka, uh, just kind of showing you the good of him. Last 25 games, he's hitting 344, 465, 613, six home runs, six RBIs, 19 walks. I'm paying my dues. That's all I'm doing. This right is now. your public shaming right here. This is my public shaming. This is, that is good, Sean? you know me, me. This is that is good. Okay. Uh, so that if I'm doing my math correctly, and I'm the math guy on CHGO bets, mm-hmm. uh, that's As proven earlier when you were trying to price that stake. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, an OPS over 1,000, which is I've heard good. Uh, I think that's about 300 points above the current MLB average. So that's good to see from Jose Abreu. Uh, a little concern. Uh, early on in the season, just like, ah, hey, Jose might not be right. I had the concerns that he's getting older. He's played like 20 straight seasons of 120-plus games. Uh, it feels like he's riding the ship, and we love the stat, Herb. 3-2 counts. Uh, Jose Bray this year had another one, uh, 22 walks, one strikeout, and 3-2 counts this year. It's amazing. The guy is just turning into himself after slow starts every single year. This year was a little bit more concerning because we did see – a little bit less uh, power, as we have seen this year, and a lot more strikeouts. But it seemed like he just turned it on. He's like, I'm going to see a couple more pitches, get a little bit more deeper into the counts. And he's been walking a ton this year. His walk rate is up, I think, to a career high. And the pitch right before the home run, the first home run he hit, he saw that ball so well. Usually a player would flail at it. It was a low slider just off the strike zone low. Looked it in deep, 
saw it all the way, did not offer at it. And the next pitch comes a cement mixer slider, which he murdered that ball. And then I saw the home run on replay because I was watching the Cubs-Padres game for a second. I heard you guys yell real quick. I was like, holy hell, somebody hit a home run. I should have known it was Jose Abreu who murdered a ball straight center to 440. It's great to see him back and being the guy that he usually is. And it's not even August yet, guys. That's his best month by far. August is going to be a great month for Jose Abreu, as it always is. 850 feet of home runs from Jose Abreu tonight. Look up look up the word consistency in the dictionary. Oh, you're going to see a picture of Jose Abreu. I mean, this guy has been – I mean, how many years now has it been, Jose's getting old, Jose's getting old, who knows if he's going to be able to do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to go back to just this offseason. Look at the last yeah. two or three, and what does he do? The same thing every year. There are times when he carries this team – uh, you know, throughout an entire month, it looks like he's about to, if he's not already doing that, especially mm-hmm. with T.A. on the injured list. Um, it's a guy you can count on. You should never take him out of the, that three or four spot because he's, in, you know, he's got the, the absolute superpower of driving in runs. I mean, he's Jose Abreu. That, mm-hmm. there's a, that statue's going up. Yep. That number's going up on the, on, on the retired number uh, row there at, at Guaranteed Rate Field, and he is not giving anybody any reason to uh, think that he's slowing down, even if it is, like he was talking in, in during spring training, even if this is his ride off into the sunset, he's going to make sure it's a sunset and not, uh, you know, not yeah. storm clouds. Yeah, they're, they're not shutting the lights off on him. Uh, I definitely had those, uh, the, the bad, I like that he got his bad years out when he was like 31 and 32. Uh, but those are just those injuries. Are right. Bad years. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bad years of still above average yeah. production. 114 uh, way to runs created plus, 115 <laughs> way to runs created plus. He followed that up with 165, 126. He's currently at 123. Those two home runs will probably bump that up as well. So uh, Abreu's just getting better and better. I did see someone ask about All-Star games. Uh, so I am a little bit, you know, I wonder who's going to represent the Sox. Tim Anderson. All-Star game. Yeah. Tim Anderson has Michael been hurt. Michael is going. Kopech's going. Yes. Abreu right now, uh, 11th in war for first baseman, 14th in weighted runs created plus. Tim Anderson won't start, I don't believe, because of the injury. injury. And Jeremy Pena's having a hellified year out there in Houston. We'll see him this weekend. God damn it. 19-year-olds are like, Carlos Correa, get your ass out of here. We got this 19-year-old who's better, younger than you are. Cheaper. So it's just uh, embarrassment of riches down Hen- there in Houston. Hendricks, too. Hendricks could, could be going back to the All-Star game. He's yeah. a, a seems like he's a shoe-in every year. Uh, Graveman's and, and been good. I don't know if Graveman's he's... been good. What about Dylan Cease? Yeah. A couple rough ones, but other than that, he's been pretty good. Kopech, though, has the big the big gaudy numbers. So, um, yeah, I, I could see... I, I think I'd vote T.A. And, and Liam as, as probably the most likely to, but it doesn't have to stop there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. C's, he's got to start against the Tigers. We know how good he is against the Tigers, <laughs> so it should be a good game Add tomorrow. about 15 strikeouts to the uh, total uh, there. <laughs> Lower the ERA by .20 uh, just in one game. Uh, one guy that might not be in the All-Star game is Luis Robert. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about him because, Herb, you're right. Uh, he did have uh, a hit two today. Hits. He had uh, two hits, I he, think. He had two hits. I think he had one hit. I thought he had, he had two. two. He had, oh, he had two hits. Uh, so he had the second one in the ninth inning, uh, mm-hmm. and then he had the other one that you were talking about uh, when Vest was on the mound. 
threw a slider, threw a slider, looked bad, and then he threw a, a fastball in basically the same location where those sliders were, and, and he hit a rope uh, out into center field, which was good to see. He's hitting 279, 315, and slugging 400 on the year. Again, 279, 315, 400. Uh, he's got over 11 steals, but the power's been gone. Last home run came against Kansas City in that 7-4 to four victory in extra innings, so it's been nearly a month since his last home run. We do have some stats for you. Uh, comparing his 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 hitting over the past couple three years, he, he missed a week too. Remember with the uh, COVID infection, he, he did miss a week as well. Uh, ground ball rate in twenty twenty was thirty seven point four, in twenty twenty one it was thirty six point six, and in twenty twenty two it's up to fifty two point seven. He has as many ground balls this year as he did last year already. His hard hit percentage it was in twenty nine point eight in twenty twenty, went up to thirty five point six in twenty twenty one, and now it's down to twenty. 20- 8% this year in 2022. His K rate went from 32% to 20% to 17%, which is good, but I don't know if it's great because I think he's having worse quality at-bats. And then exit velocity has gone down as well. 87.9% in 2020, 91.1% average exit velocity in 2021, and then in 2022, down to 89.7%. What have you guys made of Luis Roberts' season so far? I think it's not of him. He should be better than he is right now. Now, he's a young player in this game, third year. And remember, the first year was a 60-game season, which he ran out of steam at the end of it. And he was hurt for the most part, or in the middle part of last year. But he came back with a vengeance. I just want him to progress. Like, I know that development is not linear. And I'm looking at it as such. So he could have a dip. And then next year or this month, just go off again. But... I expected him to be a better player offensively than he is now. Still getting sliders and swinging at sliders that are off the plate, way off the plate. He doesn't understand what pitchers are trying to do to him, and so he's swinging a lot of first pitch, uh, first pitches, which are usually pitchers' pitches because they know that Luis is a free swinger, swinging at balls outside the zone, inside the zone, no matter where it's at. So I want the progression to happen where he's understanding, hey, This pitcher knows that I flail at sliders. What he's probably going to do is set me up with that initially. I'm going to spit on those. And so he has to come to me on 2-1-3-1. And so I get my pitch and then I crush. Anything in the zone, I'm going to crush. As you saw with Will Vest in the 95-mile-per-hour fastball, that was middle-middle. But I need to see that progression. It hasn't happened as yet. I thought it was going on last year when he came back from the injury, but – we both picked him as the MVP candidate this year because we thought that to take the next step. It hasn't happened, and I hope it's not like Yoan hasn't taken the next step after his 19 and his 20 where he got COVID and he's just sputtering and now he's just a bad player. I want Luis Robert to be the best he can be, which is an MVP in this league. You alluded to it there, and I look at it this way. Just take a step back and just look at the whole major league career so far. 2020, first month incredible Mm -hmm. he was on fire he had the upper hand on pitching Mm -hmm. then the pitchers figured him out second month of that season he was awful pitchers figured him out last year he was back he was he was he was terrific particularly after he came back from the injury Mm -hmm. he was an MVP caliber type guy over those couple of months and now pitchers have figured him out again he's swinging back on this pendulum like this and baseball is all about 
adjusting to the adjustment. Mm -hmm. So pitchers have adjusted to him, and they have the upper hand right now. Now it's on him to make the adjustment back. He obviously has the talent to do it. Now it's just about doing it, and this takes some time. And and, uh, he could, by the end of this season, be that kind of MVP guy that everybody envisioned him being. It's just going to take time for him to recognize how they're pitching him and figure out a way to beat it. Well, and I'm really glad Chi-Town Fanboy said this and Jake put this up because I think it's honestly a, a fun comparison. Sometimes these guys don't progress. Look at Baez still swinging at sliders. That's a guy that is a pretty fun comparison just because Baez and Robert are so good at fielding their position. They have so much athleticism, so much potential, but we know Baez is, you know, thorn in his side is sliders low and away Robert it feels like sliders low and away over aggression kills those two hitters Robert makes a little bit more contact than Baez but still the 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 results haven't been eye-popping where Baez was you know second in MVP voting Robert hasn't reached that level yet Um, I do think it's just interesting where he's at in in his uh his progression so far yeah I mean you can't you, as this is something that that Ricky said, it's something that Tony says too. You don't want to coach aggression out of guys, and, and and certainly when you look at a guy like like Baez or a guy like Robert or at a more successful level, a guy like Ta, that's it's part of what makes them so effective. That's mm-hmm. part of what makes them dangerous in the first place. And if you just wipe that completely away, maybe you're taking away more than you would be giving, you know, in 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 getting them to improve uh, the the quality of their at bats. Let's say. Um, so you don't want it to go away completely. It's just about finding that happy medium. And I think the good news for the the White Sox and for Luis Robert is they've now seen him successfully make that adjustment. Now he just needs to do it again. That's that's all it is to it because we know when he puts bat to ball when he is controlling the strike zone, he murders the ball. I mean, we saw the stuff in Kansas City. All he needs is actually games versus the Kansas City Royals. He <laughs> loves murdering those teams specifically down there in Kansas City. So eleven more games versus the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. Look forward to some uh, eye-popping numbers then. And they've got that lovely one-game trip to Kansas City coming oh. up later <laughs> in the year, too. They had to wedge in that uh, that canceled game from the beginning of the year. It's important to play all 162. Uh, Robert, too, uh, out of the zone contact has gone up from 47.1% in his rookie year to 56.6% uh, to 64.4%. The thing with Baez is, you know, we see it when Baez makes good contact, it still goes far. So, I mean, that's that's still with Robert. Robert still can still lace a 97-mile-per-hour fastball um, from Will Vest, but it's just got to be in the right spot for him uh, to, to truly make contact because if guys are throwing it out of the zone, uh, he'll still be swinging at it. His out-of-the-zone swing percentage has gone up from 43.1% in his rookie year to 445 last year to 46.4%. So I think it's just all about making those adjustments, but it's got to be the right adjustments and he's got to be able to make them. Uh, If he's not able to make them, it's probably going to be a a struggle for Robert this year. But if he's able to adjust, like Vinny's saying, uh, hopefully that MVP type player can go up and and Maz saying his K percent's down, that's good. But again, the concern is his aggression on you know, uh, early on in the count, it's tough to strike out when you're getting out on the first yeah, pitch, we see the second him, pitch. Weak contact to the first baseman, second baseman, um, and the first pitch. It's it's like almost like he doesn't want to strike out so much right. that he's going to take any pitches early. He's not going to have the pitcher get him in an 0-2 count because he's going to take the first pitch and do whatever he needs to do with it. He knows better. He knows that he's a better hitter than what he's shown as yet. And like Vinny said, it's going to be eventually him adjusting to what the pitchers are doing to him. And maybe, like Tim does, take those sliders to right field with some power. Okay, you're going to pitch me out there. Make a mistake, please. Leave it up. Bow. 
Right field. And that's and hey, that's not something that Tim did his entire career. Not at all. He made the decision to learn how to do that. Luis Roberts, a young guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he maybe that's gonna end up being his game too, at least, you know, as an adjustment to the way they're pitching him right now. Yeah, and it's you know, the K rate isn't too important for me at least just because you look at the guys that swing as much as Luis Robert do in the major leagues the only guy that I think has an above 20 percent K rate uh, in that range is Avi Garcia Um, other than that Devers is at 18.6 Albies is at like 17.3 Roberts around 17 percent as well Uh, Bichette's at low 20s and he's top five in swing percentage so if guys are swinging that much it's just difficult to strike out Uh, look at Tim Anderson like you guys mentioned it's just about making those adjustments and we've seen some of those adjustments I mean early on in the year Luis Roberts power especially at home was to right center so I mean if 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 the adjustments are made and he's just a little bit more patient and he can understand what they're trying to do to him, uh, I think that he can still be a, a force in this lineup, but it's just about changing things. And uh, it's good to see AJ Pollock start coming around. Uh, Andrew Vaughn's been consistent. Abreu's been consistent. Jake Berger hurt, but he's been consistent. Uh, and, and you know, uh, Danny Mendick's been consistent as well. TA's yeah. been consistent. So uh, definitely some hitters that are, are warming up and getting into the swing of things. I do want to ask you guys, though, about second base. Leury, three-hit day today. Okay. Danny Mendix, been great as well. Uh, what do you think the Sox need most at the trade deadline? You're nodding at that. So, uh, Vinny, we'll start with you since that direction, uh, question's directed at you. Uh, is second base still an option during the offseason? That was one of the, the focal points for you. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was their biggest need, you know, in the offseason. And while I was certainly willing to see if Josh Harrison was going to work out as the as the answer there. To this point, he has not. And, um, you know, we mentioned Larry Garcia's nice day today, but, you know, he came in today hitting under 200. So did Josh Harrison, for that matter. So if I'm going to, to answer the question there and say, what do the Sox need most of the trade deadline? I say it's got to be a second baseman because I think if everything goes the way that they want it to, obviously if everything goes the way that they want it to, Larry or and or Josh Harrison are going to be hitting better. Right. But, you know, you get Aloy back. A.J. Pollock's already picking it up. You got Andrew Vaughn. Your outfield seems to have options. Even Adam Engel has been very good for them off the bench, right? Um, if Jake Berger sticks around, D8, there's another option at DH, you know, which includes all of the guys that I just mentioned in those outfield spots. Uh, you're not replacing Yoan Moncada at third base. Obviously, T.A. and Abreu are, are, are doing fantastically. Second base is still a hole. And I think that, you know, as long as the uh, main issue remains the offense, and maybe it won't, there are, you know, plenty of time until the trade deadline for them to find themselves offensively. But that's an area that you can plug in a uh, an impact bat and try to go find that. Now, finding an impact bat second baseman we, knew, we know how hard that was during the offseason. It could be even more difficult at the trade deadline, but I would say that that's probably the biggest need. You're probably going to see him go after some more bullpen help as well just because it's what everybody does at the trade deadline. Um, and uh, right now, at the very least, I, I don't see them needing another starting pitcher. Um, of course, you can never have too much starting pitching, but they've got five guys who are, who are pitching well, and you would include Lance Lynn in that, in that category once he gets back uh, on a normal uh, right. schedule. I agree. Yeah, second base would be really? a great pickup. What? Oh no! Just I'm surprised that he agrees. Oh. Like, where else is there a, a hole necessarily? I mean, you can always get better in right field or designate hitter. Have yeah. a person that that plays that position all the time. Josh Bell would be a guy that I would be looking at. But yeah, second base. I would love Danny Mendick to take over second base, but also I think that overexposure for Danny Mendick will mean him. 
coming back right. down to earth. So then we'll be in the same position. Yeah, a second baseman that can play every day, can field his position and give you some hits. They don't have to be an ass kicker as far as uh, like a 300 guy or a power guy. Just a person that can give you some type of consistent at bats and drive in runs when it's needed. That's all. Yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised that that is the answer. I still feel like this team needs left-handed hitting. Um, I, I, you, know, you could I, kill two birds with one stone, ideally. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they need like actual power, though, because, I mean, they're getting out-home-run at home as well, and, and it's interesting stat. I think that uh, – I forget who shared it up there, but Pito's home runs, he's got nine this year. Yeah. Seven are on the road. Two are at home. I just feel like they need to start taking advantage of their park. They, they don't have left-handed power, and that is the best park in Major League Baseball for left-handed hitters. So I would still – like an update or at least an upgrade with left-handed hitting and I, I still don't know if they figured out right field because AJ Pollock has played the most innings in left field this year for them well still feels like Vaughn as Aloy well is gonna come back and you'd figure he will play a lot of left field yeah and but, I think whether you want him to or not but then yeah. but, but but like my, my thing is like why wouldn't you still get Pollock acquainted to right field more just because he's played so much center and left in his career if that's going to be a spot I've just been surprised at him playing the, yeah. 200 and you know 300 innings but you're also something. a big advocate of playing the best lineup every day and yeah. AJ Pollock might be a better left fielder than Andrew Vaughn or you know Vice that's person. the best defensive alignment for them in in the outfield and also yeah we need a lefty and a power bat but there's going to be a lot of teams out there doing the same and with the White Sox, wow. they don't have the capital to trade for other teams that other teams have. Like, Josh Bell's going to be a highly co- coveted player. It's going to be really h- tough for the White Sox to send uh, a player like Colson Montgomery or West Cath or some of the younger players, Cespedes, who's not young, he's like 24, over to Washington and beat that deal that the Padres, or the Dodgers, or the Giants, or somebody else who's looking for a lefty power bat. Remember, there's a lot more teams in the playoffs this year, a lot more teams thinking that they're playoff eligible, even close to playoff eligible. So less teams selling off, more teams looking to acquire players. So it's going to be tough for Rick Hahn to get a top-notch power lefty bat. If he could get that, he I think he would already got that in the offseason. And I'm looking at Josh Bell, but that's going to be real hard for the White Sox to get, especially if other teams are looking for him. And something, too, Ozzie Albies fractured his foot tonight mm. against the Nationals. So the Braves, we know how aggressive they were last year. Another team that needs a second baseman. They're not looking for a second baseman. So <laughs> That'll be good if we had one. Fun competition. Uh, well, what, you want to trade him? Do we have a second baseman we can trade him? I mean, Josh Harrison can be traded. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they want him. <laughs> Lear Garcia can be traded. I don't think they want him. I mean, him. yeah, great. Danny Mendick can like be Atlanta. traded. It's hot. That, Nice. Awesome. Uh, all right, uh, Jake. We we passed the fifth minute hour mark, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I can wrap it up for the CHGO White Sox podcast. It felt around an hour ish. And uh, your guy Ma- Matthew Cortese says How about Cattell Marte. Uh, you or know, Bar- I mean, boy, that, but we that'd just, be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that would be nice, but we just talked about the White Sox there's, not having any bir- capital. Yeah, here's the two birds with one stone. I mean, Cattell mm-hmm. Marte would be fantastic on this White Sox team, but again, I don't think they have the capital to actually get him. Uh, Jazz Chisholm would be great for the White Sox at second base. I don't think that the Miami Marlins would part ways with him for, like, Jake Berger. <laughs> you know, you'd probably have to give up Colson Montgomery, and is that what the White Sox want to do as an organization continually trade their, their top prospects? I would give prospects? Montgomery. Up. 
He's years away from the majors. You need to well, compete now. Yeah, I mean, if he's not able to help your team right now as a as a, a major league player, he's probably a bust. I mean, that's the White Sox way is well, you know, call these wait. guys up as soon as possible. Well, my thought is this. Is Colson Montgomery going to get you one of these guys? Like, he's oh, the White Sox best too. prospect. Yeah. Does he – Where is he the, the, the top guy? 100? I don't even yeah. know if he's in the top 100. I don't think he is. No, hey, I, I'm, no, I'm right. down with that point. I mean, yeah. like, it's, it's a truly – it's the worst farm – system in baseball so yeah i mean that's a fair point that can the best prospect in theirs uh get a get, get a get a return like Marte? i think so just because he was the top 20 pick last year right or at least top 25 pick i'd hope but it's a fair point yeah yeah because he's young he's just young in his career and uh i mean tall shortstop was probably a transition to third baseman for another team but yeah real young in his career so it'll be tough you have to package a bunch of other stuff and Maybe Jake Berger is the top of that thing, a top of that trade market, because where does he play with the White Sox? Right, well, where does he play with any team? You know, I mean, third base has been a, a, a journey for him uh, this year so far. I know Tony wants to play him at second base. In the base. lineup. Um, yeah, it just feels like DH was would be his natural well, position. Well, but I guess the idea, too, is that there are a lot of other teams that don't have Yohan Moncada. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, there might be other teams that are willing to give Jake Berger a shot to play third base if he's going to hit the way he's hit for the White Sox the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, certainly... Right now, Jake Berger's trade value is probably higher than it was Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. And maybe that is what helps the White Sox acquire something of significance at the deadline. But the deadline is a ways away, and we we don't know what – where anybody's going to be uh, come that time. Yeah, when we started this on March 4th, it felt like the most valuable asset for the Sox in a trade would be Gavin Sheets. Now that's changed just with the way that Gavin, uh, you know, Gavin's played and Jake's played. Uh, Jake's obviously improved his his standings uh, throughout the major leagues. But that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's a CHGO White Sox beat reporter. You can follow Herb Lawrence on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. He's a CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore w underscore anderson i'm the host of the pre post podcast whatever we're doing that day we'll be back tomorrow at 5 30 with another pregame show between the tigers and white Sox. we will see you then uh for jake lanagan and joey spathis for helping out uh we appreciate their production we'll see our guy steven nicholas tomorrow uh for all the people hanging out in the chat we appreciate you guys always jumping on and talking with us throughout these live shows and for all you podcast listeners we hope you enjoy your day shout out to fleetwood mac for their 1970 album uh, nine album tusk and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow go white Sox.